He's staring at me. He's in the show. It's super <laughs> creepy. Yeah. He's just looking at me the whole time with his green mouth. <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And I'm Caroline. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the profoundly prolific prop maker. He did it. <laughs> Seriously, I said that about... 40 times yesterday and not once did I get it right. Uh, so, yeah, we've got we've got Caroline here. Hello. Hey. Uh, for those of you that don't know, um, Caroline runs the Berlin Prop Shop on Instagram and the internet and probably real life as well. Um, <laughs> <Mostly> real life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, I'll t- tell you what, do you want to go first and Tell everyone a little bit about yourself, what you do, what you've been up to recently, and all of that stuff. Uh, so what I've been up to recently is I've finished two projects, actually. Um, Yay. Yay. But like generally, I'm making sculptures and props and costumes and stuff <laughs> for theaters and movies. So I do that for a living, like not as a hobby or anything. <laughs> Actually, doesn't, doesn't it pretend like we yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. Try to make Proper money person. Uh, and it kind of works. Like it, it has worked for the past years. Um, yeah, I have a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. um, what two projects have you just finished? I recently finished a, a bear costume. Yeah, you did. You yeah. so cool. Oh, what a he's called Eddie, and he's big and fluffy. Uh, and I also finished a goat. This <laughs> <laughs> is a weird statement to me. Yep. Finished a goat. What? I finished a goat. Yeah, and the goat uh, is, is supposedly... He, she's dead. Like... So you did finish it. <laughs> I, 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 I... I don't know, maybe Eddie finished her. <laughs> I left them alone, like the two of them, and the workshop. I left, and the next day, Sylvia was dead. The goat is called Sylvia, so they all have names. I was going to say, do you name all of your props or just the animals? Uh, Just the animals. Ah, okay. Yeah, I'm not a weirdo. Like Cedric, Cedric the coin. <laughs> I love that we both came up with the same name. Because <laughs> we're idiots and they're both human beings. <laughs> It would have been Colin, but that's only one letter. Yeah. <laughs> I like alliteration, what can I say? Uh, cool. Well, I'll tell you what, because um, you're, you're at Owls at the moment, aren't you? So, I am, indeed. Ow, do you want to go next? What have you been up to? Yes, um, absolutely. What? What did, what did we do? Um... Well, this is... This is great. No, we did. We did. <laughs> we did. I'm trying to remember what last week was. Last week was the Super Bowl. Yes. So since then, um, <laughs> I tested out the bar. Yay! Fantastic. And it really worked like a bar. And it was an absolute pleasure to stand behind and to use. And uh, it held up and it worked and feels like a real bar. And it's brilliant. Um, and to finish that off, so the actual event is on Wednesday night this week. Uh, well, when, when the podcast comes out, actually, it be tonight. Um, and Caroline has been helping me, uh, just basically been making like a pub sign yeah. for the bar. So it's like a real pub. So we've made like a fake pub sign. Um, called? It's called the Dog and Castle, which is not what I'm going to call the pub when it's in my house. But that's um, basically, it's two little icons that are taken from the logo at work. 
Yeah. So we have a little Yorkshire Terrier in the office, um, and that's uh, the little dog that's on the logo. Nice. Um, and the castle is this little sand castle. Basically, it's like we have this thing where you say you, we all we play nice we play nice in the sand pit. So that's the yeah, cool. little sand yeah. castle. So it's a little Yorkshire Terrier in a sand castle on the flag. I like um, it. But yeah, Carolyn basically taught me how to carve, which was fantastic. I've never done that before, so I've been um, learning how to carve wood. I've, Tried to make a hand. All will become clear um, why there's a hand involved in this uh, pub sign. Um, I'm doing some gilding on the sign as well. So, like, pulled out some of the letters and some of the yeah. um, the pinstriping on the sign as well, just to give it that kind of authentic pub uh, rustic feel. Together yeah. with the with the gravy wood stain, um, it, it, goes, <laughs> it goes together well. Um, so, yeah, just basically making the finishing touches to the bar. Nice. Oh, and also this morning uh, we went to uh, my favourite place on earth which is um a, a sort of recycling place near yeah, Newport that, that place looks amazing basically um, you turn up there every time and you don't know what's going to be there um and yeah. it's most of it's like uh industry uh offcuts yeah so just random bits of like foam or cardboard or plastic or whatever you want i bought some weird like spinning revolving bracket thing no idea what it was but <laughs> it looks great i'm sure it'll come in handy for something yeah um yeah and loads of scraps of delicious smelling leather nice yeah i must admit, um as soon as i saw that on whose ever instagram it was that, uh, <laughs> um as soon as i saw it, i was like oh, i need to go see al and he needs to take me there um but also yeah the the, the carving from what i could make out from the photo it looks really really cool and it actually even in that horrible like tiny photo i managed to make out that it was a hand so it's it's, it's good it's obviously it was weird it was it was one of these where it just started with a block and it was basically like um the progression of video game graphics over the years <laughs> so it just it started off as just like basically like a like a t- like a 2.5d thing where it was just like a hand from above and a hand from the side yeah, and then just the polygons got more and more as this hand kind of got blotted out. <laughs> I was trying to use the chop saw as much as I could because I yeah. don't have a bandsaw, and it's yeah. a great big thick block of wood. And it's like there's when I finally got down to having to use the coping saw, I was like, "Fucking!" Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> really, like cut through like four inches of wood yeah. with a coping saw was was hard work. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really funny just seeing like the resolution increase with every yeah. sort of like That's... half hour hour. It was really Be, beware of the uncanny valley, though. You know, yeah. if you go too <laughs> far, it's going to get too <laughs> real. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's genuinely the best way I've ever heard anyone describe um, carving. Uh, awesome, cool. Uh, Brett, what have you been up to? I made the thing. The video will be up by the time the podcast goes out. Um, but I reached out to one of my patrons who happened to be the very first person to join join the crew. Um, and Brandon and I have, have always kind of been chatty with each other and just kept in touch. And he made a request for a, like a beekeepers multi tool. It's a scraper and like a pry bar. It, it looks like a really weird crowbar, but it's very specific to beekeeping. Um, and so I'd never done that before, like most of everything that I've ever made. Uh, but it was a cool challenge, and, and I hope he likes it. I'll be able to send it out to him soon. Um, like I said, I'm I'm trying to get the video done tonight, so hopefully up by tomorrow, and it'll be out. Everyone can take a look at the weirdest tool I've ever made. <laughs> Other than that, um, we've been busy in the shop still with those bullet signs, 
but but like the light at the end of the tunnel is is coming. The I have not slept at the end of the tunnel. Say what? The three hundred and sixty-eight lights at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, I have not been sleeping super well this great for random fucking reasons. But anyway, it's it's been a pretty productive week, all things considered. Yeah, it's interesting you you, you talk about the the the, the multi tool thing because like there's something about beekeeping that's that profession has the, like a really specific set of tools yeah. that are like bespoke to that industry. <laughs> like yeah. the, the whole like beekeeper outfit and the, like the smoking thing and yeah. you know, just all the, all the frames and stuff for the, for the hive and the, 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 the combs themselves. They're, they're just like so specific and so interesting and like all part yeah. of the process, even like the, um, the centrifuge you, you use to spin the honey out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously like a lot of people will make this stuff themselves. Yeah, um, but I'm just, yeah, there'll be like an industry as well. But yeah. they, they, they've always intrigued me just seeing like behind the scenes of, of honey making. So that yeah, that tool is yeah. something really cool. It, yeah. it was really interesting because he sent me a couple of reference images. Because of course, when he was like, when he asked for it, I <laughs> replied with, "I have no idea what you're talking about." Yeah, so, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when I saw it, I went, "Oh, that's." That's a really weird looking crowbar, but you know, it's quite a bit smaller. It's not as stout and it's really meant to get in between the frames and, yeah. and be, 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 oh my God. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was really <laughs> cool to do the research and there was really only one video on YouTube where a guy does like a slight review of what the best tool was, yeah. because I guess that's absolutely a little racket that somebody's running where you can get the cheap version that doesn't quite do it. And then somebody has taken it all the way to like adjustable everything's and, you know, replaceable blades. And so the, the thing ends up looking like, or a couple of the ones that I looked at product wise were there were a million different parts for all kinds of different shit. You know, it was like looking at whatever the shop tool that we always deal with where you're like, Oh, it's a belt sander disc sander grinder combo also a vacuum cleaner and it it does your taxes <laughs> like i don't need all that i just wanted a grinder yeah yeah no i, I must admit i i actually looked into um doing beekeeping a little while back and mm. and it, it's amazing like the different levels of beekeeper you get like from just someone that's just got a couple of um boxes that just sit at the bottom of their garden they just go out and like literally just do bare minimum to keep them going and just take the honey out every so often sort of thing. Yeah. And then all the way up to, like you say, the people that have got like the, the festal poker scraper thing. And yeah, it's why is that the word that I also almost said festival because, it was like... <laughs> but they're because... yeah, whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, Steve, what I'm... have you been up to? Uh, I would, sorry, I was going to segue into it because I know that you always forget about me. Uh, oh, <laughs> That uh, yeah, no, that, that's correct. Don't do. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. I have one more uh, thing. One more thing before you start. I have to go to the corrections department for last week. Ooh. Uh, I reference. Yeah, are we, are we going to start correcting things that we said that are wrong? Because we've got a lot of corrections to do then. Well, you you two are wrong more often than I am. <laughs> um, so I referenced watching wasabi last week and i didn't yeah, watch wasabi was which was on. not the predecessor to the professional it was nikita and felt really bad about that uh, and red was the only one that messaged time, me but... <laughs> red messaged me and goes were you tired and i was like yes and he goes, that explains it 
Cheers, bud. Thank you. I, so, I love the fact that that was just where he went straight away. Not, not you were wrong. It's just like, what, what was wrong? Are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad he gave me enough, you know, credit to be like, you only would have made that, you know, mistake if you were yeah. tired. Like, yeah, of course I would. Um. Yes. What have I been up to? I have. Uh, I'm just going to read my notes because I keep forgetting. Um. Oh yeah. So I, I, I actually met people like in real life. Um, I know, right? Uh, so I went down to Pool uh, to see, which is a, a town about an hour or so south of me, um, uh, to meet up with Andy Heal from uh, AH Bespoke or AH Bespoke. Um, really super nice guy. Um, yeah, just went down there. Um, he had a, a few tools that he wanted to give to me and Al. And um, I said, rather than posting up to Al, I'll grab him when I'm down there. Um, but yeah, super, super nice guy. Um, went down, had a chat, got fed, which was even better than I was <laughs> expecting. Um, and yeah, and it was really nice. Um, I think, in fact, he was one of the uh, spiffies a little while ago. Um, yeah. And then the very next day, I think, I... Uh, the cat I went... came back the very <laughs> next day. Uh, I was in the forge. Uh, because Alex was like, oh yeah, come down, come to the Forge tomorrow. We've got a load of stuff to do, so it'd be really good if you can come and give me a hand, and then we can crack on with the uh, project you've got. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I went to the Forge, fully expecting to have like a really productive day, and got there, and uh, there was a guy there called Jacob Edwards from JE Metal Design, um, who's uh, uh, another smith. He's, um, he's at Hereford at the moment, or just finishing his um, his course there. Um, but he'd basically just come down for the day just to meet Alex, to have a look around and just kind of see how Alex does things. Um, so rather than having the really productive day that I was expecting, we just spent all day chatting around. And um, yeah, it was really good fun. Really super nice guy. Um, again, uh, he's uh, also um, selling tongs. At the moment. Oh, he's, sorry, he, he came down with a set of tongs because uh, he's just started selling tongs on um, like eBay and, and things like that. Um and they're really, really nice. So I'm going to be buying a set of them soon as well. Uh, and then I actually managed to get some time in my own workshop after going back the next day to Alex's to do all the things that we were supposed to do on the first day. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, I've i got a like a little mirrored cupboard thing that you put on the wall. Uh, that thing freaked me out so much when you posted that because I, I didn't tell that it was a mirror the first oh, time I yeah. did it. So it looked like there was like a tiny world inside this cabinet. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's so cool. It's so detailed. There's so much stuff inside. Like, no, it's just the opposite of Steve's shop. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So for those of you that haven't seen the picture, um, so this this little like tin cupboard has got a, a, a mirror in the middle of it. And I, I took a picture specifically without me in it. So it just you can see the back of the shop. And and, uh, and I was using this as my, uh, like the idea was this is going to be like a first aid station because it's it's a little tin cupboard. So it's going to keep all the dust and crap off of, uh, the first aid equipment, it means it's all there ready to get to. And because it's got the mirror on, it means it doubles as, as an eyewash station. Um, but in the process of moving it around, I got covered in grease. So I thought, well, I've got some brake cleaner. I'll just spray that on and wipe it off and that'll clean it. So remembering I'd literally just put this on the wall, get the brake cleaner out, sprayed it on and went straight in my eye. So I had to instantly finish like, cleaning it off quickly just so I could use it to, to then wash my eye out because well, I'm a nice. fucking idiot. Uh, so yeah, 
that's what I've been up to. And then I've been at work and I'm mm. still at work and I've been on my own for 14 hours and I'm going a little bit cabin feverish. <laughs> so speaking of cabin fever, let's talk about animals. <laughs> uh, beavers, cabins, log cabins. Uh... <laughs> exactly. That's that's exactly how I got there. Um, yeah, uh, basically because uh, Caroline makes amazing animal costumes, we uh, decided that we were actually going to talk about animals this time uh, because Brett's wanted to since uh, the year 1932. Yep. So, what? What's when your animal first invented? I'm just... <laughs> I mean, Brett made something for bees. Exactly. Really? It's not that far off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nature's most important animal. Yeah. Is it though? <laughs> well, if cats disappeared, it wouldn't fucking change a thing, would it? <laughs> no, I'd be a lot happier. Yeah. Hey, come on now. <laughs> Do not like Norwe- Norwegian forest cats are are a gift. Yeah. You want yeah. one? Um, yeah. What's your I, favorite animal? I've already talked about my favorite animal. If you don't know it, then you're not paying attention. And we talked about that last week. I've only been paying attention since last week. Last it's... week was about paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a Are you kidding me? That was the joke. Are you, did you really just... Oh, my God. I fucking give up. I'm done. <laughs> oh. uh, Al, what's your My favorite animal? animal is the octopus. And you should know this. I like them. They are intelligent and adaptive and awesome. Al, what's your favorite? <laughs> I was drinking. I really got to do this. <laughs> pangolin. Or pangolin or stoat. Is mm. pangolin the thing with the uh, scales pangolin. on the back? It's Sanshrew. Yeah. It's, it's Pokemon. It's yeah. a real world it's Pokemon. It's a real life Pokemon. Yeah. Or a stoat, because stoats are also... They, some Actually, experts say that stoats are more intelligent than octopi. Um and either so way works. Also, change color. Apparently, uh, octopi isn't the plural of octopus. It's octopuses. No, both octopuses. Oh, oh, fucking terrible! It, it's true. Um, oh, I looked it up on the internet, it, and that's what it, it said. Is. No, it it was on. Uh, maybe there's uh, no there's there's no maybe such thing as a fish. QI. Yeah, oct qi. Yeah, yeah. Um, because stoats also change color, and they're super clever, and they don't stink like ferrets do. And they're just beautiful. Stoats change colour. Stoats go white in the winter. Oh yeah, so yeah, but that's not like adaptive camouflage. It's just yeah, well, it's a winter it coat. Exactly is. There's <laughs> <laughs> foxes that do that. That's, it's that's not like a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances I go white in the winter? <laughs> Without a sun, we all do. Yeah, but it's very true. Kind of. Touche. <laughs> As I say, if you put a stoat out in the middle of Birmingham, it's it's not going to turn the. the Color of bricks, is it? It's yeah. Have you tried? And it's all—it's already the color of bricks. <laughs> <laughs> this is a silly episode. Uh, it's gonna get. Carl, worse. what's your favorite animal? <laughs> Tell the world. I'm hesitating actually because everyone is expecting me to say a sloth. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I do like other animals as well, so I'm not gonna say a sloth. I like I like octopuses as well, and ant eaters. Ooh, and bears. You can I always forget about ant eaters. I forget they exist. Because why? Why would you forget about them? Because I've never seen them. They don't just like they're not hanging around. 
They're rarely oh. on. They're rarely on kids' TV shows anymore, like they were back in the day. It's Al- all about anteaters. Al told me today <laughs> that he's never been to the zoo. What? Yeah. And I like, like when I was a kid, I was never taken to zoos or anything. But like the first time I went to a zoo was like five years ago. I was like, this... "Holy shit!" <laughs> hey, oh, right. Next time you're down, we'll have to go to uh, the zoo that me and Jazz went to the other day with the wolves because that place was amazing. And I'm pretty sure they've got an anteater there. See? Oh no, that's Cricket St Thomas. They've got an anteater there, and he's oh, massive. Like and he's got a really I like bushy wolves, tail. Too. Wolves are good. Uh, wolves well, are good. These, these wolves were huge, and like there's. There's a like a a bridge over <laughs> their enclosure that they run under, but there's like a couple of massive windows, and because it was feeding time, they were getting really overexcited and they were jumping up on the ledge and kind of running along this ledge that's like that wide. We're just we're talking about animals on this podcast. <laughs> Steve, what's your favorite animal? Uh, <laughs> Murphy. What? Murphy. Uh, no, no, it's not Murphy. Murphy's a dick. Uh, it is Murphy, really. Um, bears. Bears are actually my favourite animal, which is why I was so excited when uh, when I saw Eddie. Because, yeah. <laughs> but see, because it's quite interesting that you chose a an aquatic animal because I think far too people appreciate the uh, the range of animals that live in water. Most people just think of cute and snuffle. Yeah, sorry, I, <laughs> I had a burp that wasn't going out. Um, uh, yeah, most people just think of like cute and fluffy animals. They don't think of but it's and it's like um Al choosing a sand shrew. Sand shrew. It's it's a Pokemon. Yeah, well yeah, all right. It's, it's called a pangolin, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep wanting to call it a Pagonda, and that's not what it is at all. It's not even well, a word. I I would love to try and try and like guide this back into something about inspiration or making or something. <laughs> um, We're not gonna let you. Yeah, fuck off. Uh my favorite thing about looking at nature and animals is the amount of either geometry or amazing organic forms or things that only exist in nature that people try and recreate, right? Caroline happens to be one of those people that in her day-to-day actually goes and tries to make realistic-looking animal costumes and does enough research. You went to the museum, right? The Natural History Museum to look up skulls and claws and things, right? Yeah, I just I just love going there in general. But um, like with every project that I do, I have to do a lot of research. So I tend to watch a lot of videos, like just how the animals move or <laughs> um, like how other people approached uh, like scu- sculptures or costumes. So, yeah, so but, but seeing them like in person in a zoo or in a, a museum. Uh, so, I'm not laughing. It's just this, I've got this brilliant image in my head of you just sat in a like coffee shop or something just watching animal videos on youtube and when people come over and look at you funny it's like it's research i'm doing research. My job. I'm at work leave me alone <laughs> listening to david attenborough's voice for weeks on end no but it actually it feels like it I, I felt so weird when i realized that i was watching sloth videos for weeks and weeks <laughs> I know so much about those animals and I actually I held like something like a little TED talk about uh, sloths like <laughs> on a very low level <laughs> on a German uh, like um, event That's and uh, because I just know all the facts about those animals and <laughs> it was the same back when I did the octopus <laughs> like okay you get all this random information it's amazing yeah because I, I, that's something I think we should point out as well is the fact that 
a lot of people are going to know you just purely from the, the the sloth costume because it went massive. But that octopus was insane and huge. Like, how big was that in total? Like, in close to two meters wide. That's massive. Yeah. I don't have it anymore. I mean, I couldn't keep it. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have a shop back then. I did it uh, during my apprenticeship um, at the theater. Yeah. So um, I was lucky enough to, um, that I could sell it like after the apprenticeship. So I don't know if it still exists, but I sold it to like the biggest, biggest amusement park in Germany, in South of Germany. And I actually repainted it. So um, I made like a purple blue one. And yeah. they repainted it in a like ugly red color. It looked really horrible, but it's on some kids underwater ride. <laughs> <laughs> this is too detailed for a children's ride. Yeah, <laughs> just paint this in primary colors. Yeah, no, they they also put some, I think, some uh, some black googly light. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they put big eyes. Disney eyes on it. <laughs> And just gave it four tentacles instead of eight. There you go. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Well, I, I I bring up the you know the recreating of something organic in uh, our day to day life when we try and make stuff because I think it's it's one of my personal challenges is trying to do something very organic with non organic materials. That's a weird statement. Wood is technically organic, right? But similar to what John does. Uh, you know, there's a handful of people out there in the makerspace that do tentacles or octopus stylings of things. You know, I've, I've been talking to the guy Custom Steel, uh, who Chris introduced me to, and he makes amazing work. And it's in a completely different style than what John does because he uses pipe and welding and and all of these other little tips and tricks to to twist and get more organic forms and shapes out of it where it would be quite difficult to do just with an anvil and the punches like John does but is there anything organic that you guys look at that that you could say would be a challenge to try and recreate you know like the fronds of a fern uh you know and these beautiful geometric and uh fractal right it's like a fractal yep um creating something like that that is that is organic but seems geometrically perfected or numerically perfected it's like golden scale golden ratio yeah. type stuff al go ahead yeah no we just we literally we're talking about that today um because uh, someone asked carolyn for um to carve something out of like a blank with like it's this resin blank that's really beautifully colored and my first instinct was um one of those sea slugs where the legs are fractaled. Nice, yeah. And it's absolutely stunning. And it just looks like an alien creature. It doesn't look Wait, like... like the nudibranch thing? Is that what it's called? It's like blue and white. It's a, it's a type of sea slug. I believe that's what it's called if right. my years and years of sitting in the basement watching Animal Planet have done anything <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it basically... it's it's um, Well, it, I, I guess they're legs, um, but they fractal out like a fern does, and they're just insanely beautiful. Um, but yeah, to create that would be madness, you know, to kind of, to, to, for, for, to hand make something on that level, which ironically, you know, a fern is like one of the oldest and most simplest life forms yeah. on the planet. Um, but it's yet yeah, the most complicated. Oh, and the my most, favorite plant. 
interesting to look at. Yeah, they're, they're, they're fucking great. Um, no, but I mean, Brett, absolutely. That's that's why I said pangolin is my favorite animal because of its sort of mechanical structure, not because mm-hmm. it's cute and it looks badass, but because it's you know it's it's interlocking plates of armor that are just you know engineered and and made in a way that's um, yeah breathtaking, and I, and I want to build it. You know, I, I see. Yeah. I see the animal. I'm like, right. I want to build that because it looks like it's been built. Yeah, um, and that's a whole another conversation about intelligent design. But we'll not go into that. <laughs> um, but I'll I'll raise you one, Brett, and kind of have a different take on on the question as per usual. Um, I don't necessarily want to make something that looks like nature. Um, I I I strive to 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 make something that like behaves like nature. So mm-hmm. I like things that are alive or they move. Um, I remember seeing someone do some really, really simple electronic um, sort of, and he called them living things. And I didn't understand what he meant at first, but it was basically um, just a couple of wheels and a really simple circuit. It wasn't even a circuit. It was just some uh, electrical components. And it was a um, a light sensor and a motor and a, um, a solar panel. And basically the, the, he just wired them all together. There was no logic. There was no electronic circuits or anything. And it, it just essentially followed the light. So it was, for all intents and purposes, alive. Mm. And if it didn't follow the light, it would stop working and die. So it didn't have a brain, you know, arguably. But yeah. it it was it was just some four or five components soldered together. And this thing basically behaved like a living creature. And it would just randomly go around the room trying to find the light. Because that's what... That's what you know what the the light sensor was pointed at. Yeah. Oh wow! And it just made me think. Well, what you know what what is an animal? And if we, if we can make animals, do they have to look like absolutely realistic and beautiful like Caroline does, or is it just something that potentially has a mind of its own? Or you know, my bench moves and swings and, and things fly out of it, and, and mm. also it moves because it's terribly made. But it, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that aspect of it because it makes yeah. me. It, I, I can then treat that thing like a living thing and mm-hmm. give it a character and a personality. I can't give an inanimate fucking object a personality. <laughs> um, so when I when I make something, I want it to be alive yeah. for the nature of it, pun intended. <laughs> See, it, it's funny because, um, and I don't mean this as a to, to shit all over what you've just said, Al, but I know that a lot of people will use the, <laughs> the term, oh, it's organic to... Yeah cover up the fact that they're just lazy and haven't finished a project properly or they haven't, they haven't done, done it properly sort of thing like it, it, yeah, yeah exactly and um and it happens a lot in uh with blacksmithing a lot of people will say oh yeah because i really like those organic shapes and it's, <laughs> it's basically just the fact that they've just gone oh, i don't really know what to do so i'm just going to knock it about a bit until it looks like something yeah. um, Blacksmith's something that's like perfectly crisp and like yeah you know, this old tony level of accuracy yeah <laughs> But the thing is, is what what I love though is the fact that there's there is a real art to creating something that that, like Brett says, actually looks um, organic and like a real thing. Like mm. the the term organic is sometimes just used to um, describe something that's um, that's that's not uh, structured and and rigid and and fits a a, a particular form sort of thing, um, but sometimes you have to, to if you want to create something that, that is organic you have to you know it, it has to be in the right proportions those 
um, like you know, if you're creating wings, for example, like I saw, um, there's a guy uh, uh, from I think he was from Poland, um, a Polish smith that uh, made that like made this set of wings uh, for a gate, and they were absolutely incredible and stunning. Um, and he he'd forged out each individual feather, and like because fe- feathers are a great one. Feathers like to to make on a, ga- a a proper good looking feather is really difficult. Props to Brad here. I was going to say like that, that's the thing is like to get to get it looking really good is not easy. To get it to look kind of like a feather, like as in just to get that. Sh- same with like a leaf. To make something that looks vaguely leaf shaped is is pretty easy. I do it all the time. But to get something that actually looks like an actual leaf really difficult um because nature isn't perfect so you have to work in those imperfections but without just doing it haphazardly and it's a really really fine balance to to get and i think um a a lot of people kind of fall short because they they either go one side or the other they either go oh that's good enough when it's it's nowhere near the, the perfection that nature um demands or they go too far and it becomes um overly structured and and, and overly perfect mm. um so it doesn't actually look organic um mm. 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 i mean that is the same thing this morning with 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 carving the hand like i've i've never i've never done anything like that where i've tried to make something look not, yeah. you know i've i've drawn and illustrated in 2d and done life drawing and stuff but i've never made a 3d object yeah that I'm trying to mimic nature, like I'm trying to copy my own hand, basically. And it was, yeah. uh, it, you, ha- you have to completely rethink your whole, you know, your way, way of building. Yeah, that, that's absolutely not how I'd build something. I, I would, you know, it was this this reductive way of building for starters, which I, I'm not familiar with at all. Yeah. Um, normally, I'm just like, you know, nailing things together to build, <laughs> as opposed to try to strip something away. Um. Yeah, but to to to, I just had. I had a very patient teacher who was basically just <laughs> making me rethink my way of, of of manufacturing and structure because I was having to think like God, for want, want of a better word, you know, yeah. like how to make nature. Yeah, because I mean, one one of the things that I I was uh, just thinking when you were saying that is is like with with doing the fur on Eddie because Caroline, you you um you actually was it, I know you did it with the the slaughter, but I'm guessing you did it with Eddie as well, didn't you? You punched in each individual hair. Oh no, no, no! I didn't. Ah, okay. No, no. With Eddie, it was a little bit of a different um, approach because if you look at a like a bear snout, it's basically all covered in fur except for the nose and the the lips. Yeah, and yeah, it's like yeah, I'll look at him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just teeth, teeth and hair. So you can uh, you can actually um, make that just with the same fur that you use on the like on the rest of the costume. Yeah. Um, you have to do like um, because the nose is out of silicon, and then uh, the rest of the head is um, epoxy or styrofoam most of the time. So you have to make a really nice transition between the the nose and uh, the fur. So you don't have like a, a step. Yeah. <laughs> invisible step. So you have to. Either like punch some hairs to make the uh, the transition to the fur, or um, I don't know, glue some hair on 
so it's it's smooth. <laughs> no, I don't know how to explain it really. <laughs> yeah, because there was um, like speaking of transitions, it just reminded me of uh, another podcast I was listening to the other day, um, the um, uh, Infinite Monkey Cage, um, which is like a, a science based uh, podcast, and they were talking about um, basic basically creating um, how's the fucking word. Not cyborgs. What? Monkeys. <laughs> no. Uh, like, like, like cyborgs, but bio, uh, biomechanical stuff. Exactly. And and they were saying like getting um, getting metal to attach to bone is easy. Getting mus- muscle to attach to metal is easy. And like the the hard part about um, any kind of biomechanical uh, thing is the the transition from um, like the skin. Basically, it's going skin onto to bone is is impossible and and i think that's one of the things that nature does really well and that when we're making things we struggle with is transitions you look at the majority of things that we make it's there's always almost always a definite line and getting a fade between the two is always um a, a really tricky thing i mean obviously that's part of that is because of the the types of material we use but even if we use something that's that starts out as a liquid like uh resin for example it's always done and then it's it's cut clear and mm. it's it's that um that defined uh definition that ends up uh being used to kind of create the look and the style of things whereas um within the resin you have like the the kind of marble effect of of two different types of resin mixing together and and the colors and and those kind of natural again organic <laughs> um shapes are what we we find really interesting and mesmerizing and like the um like i i can't think of a way of of replicating as a as a person as a maker the way that you can get some like uh if you were to get like a a, a dark colored resin and mix in some um some metallic shiny bits um to kind of get the way that it it flows and ebbs and and creates uh a, um like a captivating and and entrancing um thing <laughs> shape <laughs> well no you talked talk about like um like the imperfections steve like brett you were saying in the pre-show about like the uncanny valley and that that cutoff point between something being super perfect and polished and like cgi'd yeah. and then exactly what you're saying now with this like chaos like you you can't get that natural flow yeah you, you, yeah. Can't, you can't deliberately do that um but when i when i think when i overthink things which i do a lot um you think about nature at that level and you think, oh yeah, it's all organic and, and the very nature of that word, you know, especially when it comes to making means like flowing curves and kind of unexpected things. But the closer you get to it, it's, it's just, it is very, very finite and it is deliberate yeah. and it is engineered and it's just chemistry. And then the, the, the deeper you get into that, it's just physics. Yeah. You know, if you, you, if you try hard enough, it can all be measured. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just because, because nature is so kind of, um, on a grand scale, it looks like it's organic, but it's still binary. Yeah, you know, you get down to the genetic code, it's still just like four letters. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter what the, what 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 the animal is at the end of the day. It's you know ninety percent the same. Yeah, because it, 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 I think like it's one of the things you see with um, with cooking is uh, sorry, but I realized I just jumped in in front of you. Um, <laughs> but with with cooking, like you'll see um, chefs on TV, they'll uh, chuck a load of stuff in a pan and just 
give it a quick mix and then chuck it in the oven and don't worry about it. It always comes out looking fantastic. But the majority of people, they'll chuck a load of stuff in a pan and then go, then they go, oh no, there's too many carrots over that side. I've got to move that and I'll put some parsnips there. And they spend like five minutes trying to make it look like it's all mixed up evenly. It's like, just mix it up. It's fine. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. Carry, carry on. Uh, um, one, of the, one of the things that's always stayed with me for years and years and years, um, starting with my mother, she always tried to impart a little bit of that like visual wisdom on me because I, I used to always draw and, and doodle in the basement and I'd usually bring her, you know, whatever the finished thing. And I was looking at and going, Hey, I like it, but whatever. And it would always be like, well, I see what you try to do here, but like his head's too big. I draw, I draw like a character from a video game or something. It's like, Oh, the head's too big, but that's fine. But if you're going to make it big, then like make it really big because then it's like goofy. And then I went into design school and I think I've discussed it before, but there was the project, the the man, woman, bird, dog, banana yeah. project. So it was all about not sitting in the gray zone, right? The The creative or visual gray zone where you had to tell a story using those components. But a lot of us ended up putting up pieces that were just they had those things in the scene, but there was never an organic interaction. It was just, you know, like a person in the kitchen or the man and woman in the kitchen and the other stuff was in the scene. So it never felt like it was actually pushing the mark or trying to tell a story as far as the organic side of things or animals or, or nature that we're discussing that seemed to flow right into when I watched the extra features with Weta on the Lord of the Rings thing, where Alan Lee, right? He was one of the concept yeah. artists. Yeah. Um, he did a lot of the illustrations for the original books. And when they tried to start making Fangorn Forest, he like went on set one day and the trees were all wrong. <laughs> and he actually had to step in and go, right, we're going to have a what a tree is or how trees are actually yeah. shaped and made. And it was about taking... Their their approach was like, oh, you know, it's got a trunk, it's got branches. Fangorn is this magical, mystical forest, so everything can twist and be weird or whatever. But uh, all of those little examples that I just rattled off bring me back to some of my own personal problems when it comes to approaching more organic design or trying to create something that's got a little bit more natural flow to it, which is there is a gray zone where things don't work. Right. And we, we chatted about this a little bit like 10 or 15 minutes ago, but it's either too structured and maybe that's what you're aiming for. Or you can give the excuse that it's something a little bit more organic where I think the real problem is, is when it sits in that middle zone, because most people will recognize if something's wrong, they may not be able to tell you what's right about it uh, or specifically what's wrong with it. You know, yep. if, a, if an octopus's tentacle turns too much this one way, you don't have to be an expert in, you know, gastropods to notice that something's wrong, but you'll look at it or, or the typical person will walk by it and go, eh, something about that's not right. Like it's too big or it's too small compared to the head or, you know, the bear costume. As far as I've been able to kind of put together through Caro's work, uh, the slots have been amazing because there's so much attention to the detail of the proportions considering there's a person inside of it, right? So it has to be built around the fact that someone's going to be inside of the costume. 
but the arms are a certain length. The the head is a certain size. The nose, the fact that you spend as much time making the nose correctly and, and getting the details right. That's how I like to approach not sitting in that middle zone, right? Like you got to push it one direction or the other because people will notice. And nine times out of 10, you'll be the first one to notice that something is wrong. Yeah. What What do you guys do to to kind of avoid... I don't even know if you've necessarily thought about this before, and maybe Caroline's the best uh, one to answer because of her costume work recently. But like, what do you do to make sure that you're not getting stuck in that visual or creative gray zone where like something's not right? It needs to be pushed one direction or the other. Um. Well, I mean, if we stay with, like with the sloth costume, because that that might be a good example because. In in nature, sloths don't walk on two feet. So, <laughs> Something's right. wrong with this sloth. So it's wearing a backpack and giving hugs in Berlin. It, it just it just doesn't work. They can't walk on uh, walk on two feet, while a bear can walk on two feet. So there's like actual footage of bears walking. So you get like the whole posture of the bear. While with my costume, this bear would look. I, I think fairly odd walking on four legs. <laughs> I haven't tried it out really, like just walking upstairs, and it doesn't look quite right. But it mm. looks okay standing up. The head is a bit too big, but um, that makes it more, look more friendly, I guess. Yeah. Um, also, they are so, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think it's the same with every kind of design. You have to decide at some point in which direction you want to go. But I think, I think you, you, you were telling me as well earlier that on that bear, the, the client was asking you to do it in a certain way and it it would just, exactly to your point, Brett, be completely against the proportions of a real bear. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, the, the client actually, um, he didn't send me much information. He just, he, he sent me basically two pictures and one of them was like an illustration of a bear uh, riding a mini bike. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards I, I told him like, okay, that's not possible unless you get like a, a, a tiny bike with a giant handle or because the arms are too short yeah. like on a bear and the, the legs are too short and just doesn't work that a bear can ride a bike <laughs> <laughs> like maybe a circus bike or I don't, I don't know a chopper <laughs> well i get i know it was kind of a long a long-winded way of saying it but it's really it's it's the idea that the work that we try and do it's especially if we're going to adhere to kind of like a natural way or an organic way or inspired by nature or an animal or whatever, all the examples that we were talking about. Um, it's easier for somebody to recognize when something's wrong yeah, versus exactly. when something is right, right? If you do your job correctly, it should just look, it's like visual effects. They even said it about the Mad Max effects. It's like there's so much more visual effects in that movie than people would ever know until they showed off the behind the scenes thing. And then all the visual effects artists were saying, well, yeah, if we do our job correctly, you won't notice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, like when I do research, especially for costumes uh, and you type in just, okay, I'm searching for a sloth costume or bear costume or whatever costume, uh, any animal. And you mostly get like really weird looking uh, baseball mascot costumes or, or, or furries. <laughs> and 
like one thing I really hate about the furry scene is that they. they... <laughs> Can you explain the furry scene? Sorry. I don't... <laughs> Look it up. I don't want to explain. Just it. an underground <laughs> Berlin thing. <laughs> no, it's it's it has nothing to do with Berlin. It's all about. <laughs> it's like uh, a weird yeah. fetish, but <laughs> basically you have like thousands of people dressing up like as wolves, but they have all the same. Like not only wolves, but all kinds of animals, and they all stand on the on two legs and have those weird proportions and like giant heads that just don't fit if you if you see the right animal like it all looks like a mascot yeah and um that's what I was always keeping in mind is just to get like the right proportion of the head to the body, and also like the arms are really important with the legs, you can be. Um, forgiving because you need to walk inside the costume somehow, so <laughs> they can't be too short. And um, also the feet—if you make the feet too big, it looks just awkward. Um, yeah, I guess you have to experiment. What I tend to do is just take um, like a drawing of a of a person and then draw the outlines of the animal around to get an idea for the proportions. What would be nice. Um, also, you have to consider where you have to look out of the costume because you can't look out of the eyes because the <laughs> eyes are <laughs> like the face is closed. You can't have no uh, option to look out of that. So you and your eyes might actually be somewhere in its chest, depending yeah. on yeah. making. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I think that's that's kind of a really good point. Is the fact that people get when when they're trying to do. Um, uh, oh, I was going to use organic again, but when, when people are trying to um, copy uh, nature, as it were, they have a tendency to try and copy it too much and not not realize that, in actual fact, you don't need to do a, a one-to-one copy. You you like like you said, you you pick out the things that people are going to notice, the people, the things that people are going to look at, and you make sure that they're right. And the other things you you can kind of use a little bit of artistic license and and you know whether it's um the fact that you're not going to be looking through the bear's actual eye sockets you're going to be looking through the neck or or whatever like you don't you don't have to base it around how a a a natural form works you just need to make it look like the natural form works Mm. that makes sense yes um as another random example since we, we aren't talking about humans in this whole animal situation. Um, I, I always have a, a difficult time ever since going through, you know, the illustration classes and stuff. I learned so many weird little tips and tricks that have helped so much with proportions and scale and, and working out things to a visual degree. And so like Steve's example, bringing up to where it doesn't have to be one-to-one but there are certain recognizable features that have to be kind of nailed because we are also used to seeing them. They end up being, they carry a lot of the weight of, of, you know, the recognition of it. And one of my favorite things that I always, that I learned in school was drawing portraits of people. Everyone, everyone draws the head too small and then like slaps features on it. So then all the faces look gigantic on like this tiny little peanut head. And there's, there's some standardized measurements that a person's head should be this many or a person's yeah. body should be their head times this many tall. Seven, but eight, eight, seven or eight. Yeah. Okay. If, if it's a nice, like <laughs> elongated, elegant thing, you can, you can push it to about eight. 
And then there's anime characters that are like 12. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's really, really interesting when you start breaking components down like that for any organic structures, you know, almost looping back to what we were talking about at the beginning. If you look at a fern frond mm. or, or just that plant in general, as it comes out of its beautiful little spiral, you can see a really regulated stepping down of the sizes and proportions of things. When it comes to a person, everybody knows what an arm looks like or what a hand looks like. But Al, you're trying to do your hand. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing, the things that I learned about drawing portraits fed into every other aspect of me trying to re-visualize other organic things. When I was doing a life drawing class, it was like, great, you drew that person's elbow. Or, no, no, sorry, it would be you, you drew the, an elbow. And you go, cool. And they go, well, you didn't draw their elbow. That's just what an elbow looks like to everybody. It just so happens that an elbow is kind of a throwaway image. As long as the arm bends, everyone recognizes it as an arm. If you're trying to do your hand specifically, what things are you going to key in on to say, this is specific to my hand. I know this is what my hand looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was one of the interesting things today that I learned that, Obviously, I only really see my hands from one angle. <laughs> <laughs> and I was having to like sort of semi-dislocate my joints to kind of get the, the, the correct um, perspective yeah. for, for, for getting all sides of this hand. And I was like, I've never looked at my hand from that angle. <laughs> 35, and I've never, I've never seen that bit of my hand before. You know? it's, like, it's like when you first like see the back of your head in the hairdressers, and you're like, who the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I was just, you know... Carolyn was pointing bits out of like how the, the sort of skin folds and bits like the f- sort of flesh and meat stick out of your hand. I was like, yeah, I've never, because I've never paid attention to that because I've never done this exercise before. Now I've got a whole different appreciation for kind of the structure of, yeah, for, for, for my, for my awesome <laughs> left hand. But like, it, 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 it yeah, it's, it's pretty much what you're saying, but if, if, if you, if you understand it um, and, and work out the, the, the fundaments of it, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be an exact carbon copy, but if as long as you know, you know, there's a bone uh-huh. in there somewhere or that's going to bend in that way, um, you know, you can allow your creativity to go around it, but you have to get that bit right. Otherwise it will, it will, it hot dogs or legs, you know, it's like, it's, like, <laughs> it, it's not like it could be anyone's elbow or it could be any joint or it could be anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, as long as you, as long as you understand it, I think, and I think that that sort of transcends anything. So, so whether it's knocking out a leaf you know, Leaf was one of the first things that we did at, at, at Rory's, and it was really interesting mm-hmm. to see the proportions of everything, and the even like the order of manufacturing which you do it. Yeah. It was it was almost like how nature would do it. You know, pop out a bud, and then it, it, you know it was it was yeah. understanding the way that something grows almost, and that's how you then make it. Yeah, the 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 default way, which we might be to do it backwards, and you're like, no, because then you're gonna fuck it up. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do like. Oh, I love that analysis because, yeah, I was thinking the same thing about Rory's, but it's those those specific points of, of what do you want the person to recognize this thing as? Yeah. You know, a table is a, is a flat spot with four legs. A chair is a table with a back on it, right? Um, a person's face is, you the can draw a circle on a piece of paper, put do two dots and a straight line underneath them and somebody will say face. Yeah. Right. Go ahead, Steve. I know you had something to add. Uh, yeah, no, sorry. 
all I was going to say is, um, like, I think you both kind of touched on some good points there. And one of them being that, that especially when, um, when when drawing stuff, one of the things that I was always taught is that um, that people assume what a face looks like. Even if they're looking at a face, yeah. they make assumptions of it. They're like, okay, so that eye is this big, that nose is this big, and, you know, their hand is doing this. And then when they look at what they've drawn, it looks nothing like what they're actually looking yeah. at because they they allow those assumptions and they allow those things that they concentrate on the most to to pop out. And like like Al says, you don't think about all those weird little like skin folds and the way that the bit of skin kind of pokes out when your skin folds there and the fact that this does that. And, and that's where your face starts halfway down your head. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No kid has ever drawn a head like that. Yeah. <laughs> like my whole face is my face. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of thing is, is you, you have to kind of break those assumptions and you have to actually pay attention to what's what's actually there. And I think that that kind of that can apply with making as well. You have to think about that rather than just going, oh well, a table is a flat thing with four legs. You have to go, right, well this table is it's a slightly curved thing with six and a half legs. Like it, it, yeah, you have to 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 not allow your assumptions to dictate what you make. <laughs> No, I was just uh, gonna jump on on uh, the like life drawing uh, stuff and looking at things because uh, when you actually try to sculpt or when you go into life drawing or something, it's always good to just break down uh, the proportions into like simple planes or simple shapes. And um, I really like like at the life drawing. I hate drawing, but mm. <laughs> at the life drawing classes, I always enjoyed those five minute uh, poses or thirty second poses where you just scribble and just try to find like the the proportions in a very short amount of time, and that yeah. really helps you understand how um, also the like the whole bone structure works and stuff like that. And yeah. um, uh, what what um, personally my my biggest um like what what i learned most in the uh, in my apprenticeship was um my teacher was basically like a classic sculptor and he taught us first he taught us how to sculpt the skull so he gave us a, like an actual uh, human skull and we had to recreate it like one to one and after that we did a portrait of a person and after the person uh, we did a full body figure of someone so you really pay attention to um, like what's underneath and how the muscles work and uh, all the proportions. Like Elsa, said, like your eyes are in the middle of the of the yeah. head. <laughs> <laughs> you you never think about that <laughs> if you don't actually uh, try to draw it or try to sculpt it or anything. Yeah. And the yeah. same for the hands and for like every um, like every animal or every like organic shape or whatever you can basically break it down into planes and make it look uh right if you know mm -hmm. how it works basically. yeah <laughs> i i think we also have uh it, it's it's pretty it's pretty typical that we have the approach that you know you put a pencil to paper to draw outlines around a thing and you know people don't have outlines or, or things in real life don't actually have outlines. Um, and so I know it's not like everyone's going to start, you know, charcoal drawings with erasers and everything, but uh, another little tip trick, something to try to just break your habits. If, if you're having trouble with forms or proportions is actually just 
take a bit of graphite or charcoal and just put it all over the paper that you're sketching on, gray it out, smudge it, and start from a neutral color rather than white because we don't see... You see more mid and low tones than you do highlights of things. Yeah. People draw things, you put an outline on something, and then it's kind of you're working your way down from light or the brightest parts. And so even if you're designing tables and things like that, you can you can design a form and something very structural and, and geometric. But some of those things that happen where you, you sit in that gray zone that I was talking about earlier is that you actually create the thing. And then once it sits in space, you're like, something is wrong about this. Yeah. It's hard to go back from the finished product, but sometimes when I'm really working on something organic or something that's a lot more form driven than it is this structure and, and, uh, complex geometric shapes, uh, I'll work up from that gray piece of paper and just use an eraser and, you know, like a bit of charcoal. It's what we did in life drawing classes. So you work from neutral. So your eye doesn't even have a direction to go other than what sits, what catches less light and what catches more light, right? Yeah. So the backside, drawing the backside of something that would typically be in shadow, you just put a dark streak on that side and you're like, right, that's the side away from the light. Instantly, your brain starts to put the shape together that the gray paper is basically what you're seeing light reacting to anything you take an eraser to. You're like, right, there is light over on this side. And once you start to work out of that neutral zone, again, I know I'm kind of playing up the pun of it, but you're, you're working your way out of the gray zone that I was talking about <laughs> earlier. And it it forces you to look at form and and shape more than it does what you already perceive again, like Caroline was saying, it's like looking at what's underneath or looking how the, the space around it reacts. Yeah. How would light catch the sloth costume if it was made out of, you know, sparkly fiber stuff instead of hair, it's not going to look more realistic or, or more like the end product because you used something that when you were drawing it and you were researching it, you're like, Oh, we'll just use some carpet, some shag carpet and put it on there. And you're like, well, if that's made of polyester and shiny stuff, it's going to catch light weird. And then the animal's going to look silly. Yeah. Do you want to tell James Cameron that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'd have, we'd have quite the talk. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, I think that's what the, the suggestion of putting the, the gray on is, is a classic one. And it's really, really, um, it's nowhere near as well known as it should be. Um, it, it was one of the things that I learned from when I was living with uh, my friend Budden. Um, he, was his uh, name Hay? <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, he, he's a, an artist by um, doesn't say by trade, but but yeah, um, yeah, he's that's that's what he does for a living, and that was for me was fantastic because it it taught me um, so many things like that, that of of how to look at, it. and that was one of the key things that he always said is it's not. It's not about how you put your, or how you hold your pencil or pen or whatever. It's it's about how you see things, um, and that's that's what's important when you're when you're trying to do stuff like this. And because um, one of the things he said to me is, if if you're not um, if you're not trying to go for like complete realism, then just do what works. You know, pick out those those features that that um, that are going to be important. Like like Caroline said about the. Um, uh, the like thirty second sketch. You you just quickly jot down what's going to work. Like like Brett said about the the fact that the circle, two lines, and 
with dots underneath, that's that's a face and eyes. You know, you you break it down to the that's a really thing. interesting looking face that you just described. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Picasso. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like you, you break it down to the simplest thing it is. And and sometimes the the real uh the, what what's what would be anatomically or, or, or whatever correct doesn't always necessarily look right. Um the perfect example for that is the Simpsons. Simpsons, everybody has three fingers. Because if in the Simpsons you draw with four fingers, it looks weird. The animation looks weird, it's really hard to animate. Um so they just do it with three and nobody ever thinks about it until someone says, Hey, but they've only got three fingers. There's, Cause there's an episode where uh, Lisa picks up like time magazine or something like that. And it's like in a thousand years, we're going to, everyone's going to have four fingers. And they go, Oh, that, that, that looks really weird. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is it, it's about context as well. It's about what, what looks right considering the surroundings. So like, uh, like uh, with the, the bear on the, the bike, that, would it look like? <laughs> that classic scenario. <laughs> I'm just moving it back around to what we were talking about earlier. Like, that... it looked perfectly fine on the picture. Yeah, and and if you were to to make it in real life, then you might be able to make it so it looked right when it was riding the bike. But in any other way, it would just look. Yeah, wrong if you got off the bike, it would just be. Yeah, you wouldn't just be uh, not be able to um, put a human inside of that costume. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could I could make like uh, a bear riding a bike, but that would not be possible with a human inside <laughs> because the legs are too long of a human. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know what the thumbnail is. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's a I hope it's like a see through diagram though, where you can see a person. <laughs> like Jason Freeney. <laughs> there you go. Al, you had something. Yeah, no, I was I was just thinking like the the way we're talking about kind of um, art trying to mimic nature and, and, and this striving of, of whatever the medium is, we're trying to we're trying to copy um, these organic forms, like you say, Steve, and, and bring that into different disciplines, whatever it is, because there's like a um, an aesthetic pleasure in nature, and there's there's something that we like about trying to mimic it. There's also the exact opposite, where like absolutely fully engineered things to mm. completely try and, and, and mimic nature and, and, and follow forms and structures and um you know the way a skeleton is built or the way um you know a beehive is made or you know um termite mounds you know how do they manage to hold so much structure and what's the weight bearing and, and how did they get the the proportions right and and you know what's the what's the what's the, the base diameter compared to the height and, and trying to reverse engineer it you know how the birds fly and and working out the kind of the form of the wings and stuff and, and bringing that back into something that's absolutely not artistic at all um you know a lot of of, of you know fantastic architecture whether it, you, you like it the way it looks it you know it couldn't have been made without trying to copy structures found in nature yeah um and it, it, it i think there's that that side of it as well where it's not just about making it look nice because nature looks nice but it's also like nature's been working pretty well for sort of the last billion years <laughs> um, so it knows what it's doing um so actually the just just the way things are built structured yeah um, just think about an airplane i yeah, mean absolutely. It, it looks like a bird for a reason <laughs> so. but, yeah, but the, the first airplane didn't and it was shit because you know it, it didn't have an aerofoil wing it was just using you know um incidental trying to just basically hammer an angle into into the air to create <laughs> lift. It doesn't work. You just stall. But yeah. the second they start actually building aerofiles like a real bird, 
I'll be a real bird. Um, <laughs> suddenly, uh, you know, the, 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 that industry took off. Yeah. yeah. Bernou- oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I was going to try and shovel in a joke, but that was too good. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, because you know, I said about uh, the no such thing as a thing, uh, no such thing as a fish podcast. On the same episode, they were talking about um, in. Was this the monkey one or the fish one? The uh, fish one. <laughs> um, if you they were talking about the same sort of thing, and, and uh, uh, about the fact that they they've done um, computer studies and uh, on ants, and if you basically release a load of ants into a maze, then you know they they the way that they search is. Mm-hmm mathematically the the most efficient way for for that yeah. number of um bodies to to search a, a maze and um and they were talking about like well you know th- is that something that's is, is that a, a form of intelligence or is like a, a group intelligence or is that just the fact that they've evolved like that and things like that and to kind of bring that back to what i was saying there's so many things in nature that that work so well yeah even if they don't particularly look like they're going to work particularly well they're like look at hummingbird hummingbird is fucking brilliant it's fucking beautiful but if you were to go out and design a bird to get (laughs) nectar out of that that is not what you'd come up with you wouldn't think i know i'm going to make something where its heart beats a billion times a second and just have a flightless bird with a long neck yeah (laughs) exactly you would manufacture a giraffe yeah (laughs) right tiny giraffe that loves nectar that's the thumbnail um <laughs> just next to a, a bear on a bike um, <laughs> and a really long tongue um they yeah. already have really long tongues and they're black it's because they love nectar. do your research <laughs> oh we're learning so much about animals it's great um but yeah that, that's the thing is i think if you're going to take anything from nature don't like from my point of view it's it's not necessarily about um, uh, trying to directly copy nature. It's about looking at it and going, well, how would Mother Nature, for want of a better term, how would Mother Nature approach this? And and kind of going, well, this is the most logical thing, but that's not how nature works. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try throwing a few random things at it and, and seeing what happens. I mean that's that, that that's perfect. That brings us back around to to, to the, the sort of bees at the start. Like bees don't make sense. Bees don't make sense, <laughs> yeah. but they also don't make hexagonal chambers in a honeycomb. Bees make round chambers in a honeycomb, and yeah. physics makes them hexagonal because if you yeah. mush a lot of circles together, they just form hexagons. Yeah, it's just a consequence of of. of nature it's nothing yeah. to do with the bees it's not them being intelligent they're not like you know what's going to be really strong guys and he's going to hold, and they're going to fantastically just just you wait you guys yeah. have been doing like these these stupid shapes all along <laughs> um, and that, that might be similar to the ants thing you know just this, yeah. this brute brute force yeah. approach to, to problem solving but you know the fact that nature nature is not somebody thinking something it's just yeah. It just is. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is na- nature isn't a, a physicist. Nature is just spiffing. Okay, so because she's our lovely, lovely guest, we're going to go with Caroline first. Okay, so I'm going to spiff one of my all-time favorite sculptors, uh, <laughs> which is Ellen Jewett from Canada. 
and uh, she does those amazing lifelike miniature animal sculptures. Um, you really need to check her out. Yeah, I'm actually really, really, really lucky that I own one of her creations. What? Um, yeah, I've I've been following her for like ten years, maybe um, back on Deviant Art, I think. And um, like I think five years ago, I was able to purchase uh, one of her pieces. They were much cheaper back then. <laughs> and right now, um, she sells them all. They're all like one of pieces. Um, some of these are amazing. Yeah, yeah. And they are really delicately made. They're uh, just over wire structure and uh, like polymer, air drying clay and all hand painted uh, with oil and acrylics. And um, she actually, she has a degree in um, biological anthropology. So um, she kind of studied nature <laughs> <laughs> and she she's just so amazingly good at what she does and yeah she, I... she makes a she always makes like a, a whole batch of sculptures and then like half, every half year she sells them um like first come first serve basically yeah. uh to her mailing list and they are quite expensive but then again not because the, like real pieces yeah, the... of art yeah i was, I was gonna say I mean, the work that must go into these is insane i yeah. I've, I've got um her uh, website and her instagram open on an, another tab at the moment and i i'm absolutely blown away these are incredible <laughs> yeah and talking about uh animals on bikes actually i got i know <laughs> it's it's it, it all goes like all around because i own a sculpture of her which is called moss goes to the farmer's market and it's a it's a dog on a bike with some sheep in a backpack and some <laughs> some vegetables in a basket and He's just driving on his bike to a farmer's market. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. That's <sounds> really good. <laughs> That's nice to see. Cool. Nice. Uh, cabs. So, Al, you're next. Yeah, I obviously can't top that because it's great. <laughs> um, so instead, I'm going to spiff the the maker pets and the maker animal friends in this community. Oh. So from Smudo to Axel to Gary to Murph, even Abraxas. Uh, all- <laughs> All the animals that, that are involved in this community in some capacity, they're all spiffing. That's fantastic. Yes, I like that. Well done. Murph appreciates that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to spiff next because cabs. I, 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 all right. You just fucking take over then. So yeah, I'm going to do your job for you, Steve, because Al's running out of battery. Um, I am going to spiff Paxton Gate. That is not a person that is. An Instagram account slash store. Um, And they are like an oddities shop and taxidermy and all kinds of natural, naturally occurring things. Um, But I remember going there when I was in San Francisco and they did have a display of taxidermied mice dressed up like the three musketeers. And there was a whole scene set for them and it was absolutely fantastic. Um, They're they're one of those places that is uh, visually inspiring to me in terms of uh, on their Instagram account, they, they show off a lot of really amazing animals and taxidermy and bones and all the things that are going on inside. Uh, <laughs> so I use it, I use it a hundred percent just to see kind of what's going on and for, for visual inspiration. 
Um, I also have a fascination with skulls and bones if you haven't picked up. So Paxton Gate, neat account, very nice people. And uh, if you're ever in San Francisco, they're awesome and you will spend hours in their store. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I, uh, I, I've got like in my head, I've got about 16 different um, like, uh, we don't have time for that, Steve. Why yeah, don't you move it along? I was trying to, but you, if you keep interrupting me, I'm going to take longer. Yeah, but if I just keep talking... Then... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I've got like 16 different ones that I, I would really like to uh, spiff, but I can't choose any one of them, and because our battery is running out, I don't have time to try and pick one of them. So instead, I'm going to go completely the opposite direction, and I'm going to pick someone because their name has animals in it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pick... Uh, Dan Chester, who I've had on the list to Smith for a little while. Um, he's Bear and Fox on Instagram. Uh, Dan is fucking ace. Uh, and like what he doesn't know about tools isn't worth knowing. Um, plus, he's got this beautiful collie dog whose name escapes me. And I feel like a terrible person because I can't remember her name. Um, who's super, super cute. Um, but yeah, Dan's great. Go follow him if you've ever want to know like which tool is the best for a particular job dan is the guy to ask because if you ask one of us we'll probably tell you to use an angle grinder um so yeah go check out dan he's great nice nice uh right let's quickly get through this because i was about to die five percent five okay right uh where, where can everyone find you on the internet Ah, uh, you can find my website on propshopberlin.com. And I'm mostly active on Instagram at Carolina Hints. Uh, yeah, that's it. Cool. Facebook right. group, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'll put the details on that in the shows, which will go up soon. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to get hold of any of us, uh, you can find us on all the, all the usual soda shows. Fucking hell. All the shows. <laughs> we're, we're all the soda shows. We're at Pepsi <laughs> uh... <laughs> You can find us in all of the usual places on all of the usual social medias. You can find me at Moonshine Metaworks. You can find Brett at Bre- Brett's Hack Shack. No, that's not where it is. <laughs> Skull and Spade 13. <laughs> and you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. There we go. Uh, and if you want to get hold of us as a group, you can find us at fwtpodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram at fwtpodcast and see all the amazing thumbnails. Uh, or you can actually talk to all four of us in person, online, on person, on online. You can talk to all of us online uh, in the Fools with Tools Facebook group, where all of the fun things happen. Uh, is there any other business? Gate tickets for Maker Central. Carolyn's going to be there. Maker Central. Yes. And yes. I was I was going to say it's Zoe's birth, <laughs> but he's not because he, like, no. Uh, yes, Maker Central is going to be great. Go. Join in. Uh, anything else before we go? Animals are great. Thanks, thanks animals. Thank, Thank you, you Caroline, for making animals. Thanks, yes. animals. Thanks for having me. Thanks, animals. Everyone. <laughs> animals. Animals. <laughs> Bye! Bye! Bye. 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 <laughs>